Thanks for joining us today on the nateholdridge.com podcast. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. It's great to have you here with us today. Uh, my name is Riley, and today we're having a conversation with Pastor Nate Holdridge about leadership, and specifically six attributes of leadership that we can find in the Old Testament. So let's jump right into this conversation and see what Pastor Nate has to say about leadership. When I was reading through this article, Nate, about your six attributes for good leaders, I was thinking about just the different men in my life and how the men who I really do look to as good leaders really do exude a lot of these characteristics. I would love to talk about all six of them, but I feel like you and I could just talk for a long time about these. So maybe Mm -hmm. we can talk about four. That's what I'm thinking. Cut out two of them. But if we have time, we can go into some more of them. But I'd love to ask you about a few of these. Um, One that you mentioned that was, it really struck me was that good leaders recognize the weight of their words. Um, and you actually said it kind of in that paragraph, you said, understanding this helps a leader speak and in parentheses and type and record and post cautiously. So I know you're, you're the kind of guy who's conscious of his words, thinking about what he's going to say. Mm-hmm. Are you the kind of guy, like when you're thinking about a good leader, are you thinking that a good leader is really conscious of everything that he says, whether it's in front of people, in front of his family, in front of friends? What, what, what are you talking about when they understand the weight yeah, of the words? Yeah, temperate, I think, would be a word you know that, that you'd use of someone who's a good leader. Uh, and, and again, this is, a, this is a good godly leader. Oh, yeah. You know, because right. you could definitely find people who are seemingly effective leaders who uh, maybe recognize the weight of their words in the wrong way, you know, and through their harsh words or whatever, they, they get the job done because they're, you know, bullies or brutal or whatever. I just wanted to back up for a second. I think you probably mentioned it on the musical intro of the podcast and everything. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we are talking about, or this whole article that I wrote, uh, it comes from Proverbs 16, verse 10 to 15, where there's a cluster of verses about mm-hmm. kings. And uh, there's a good chance that the king that they have in mind is David, you know, because okay. Solomon yeah, would have yeah. been the author. So there's a good chance that they're, he's thinking back to his father, David, and how he did things. And I think I got excited about this section because um, I'm right now I'm, I'm, I'm getting close to being done, but I'm, I'm working on teaching through the book of Proverbs for yeah. my uh, studio series. And, you know, the, the back half of the book of Proverbs from kind of like chapter 10 onward, mm-hmm. it's like each chapter is just a cluster of like 30 divergent yeah. <laughs> ideas. Yeah. And so it's, it's a huge challenge to teach, you yeah. know, in, in a short period of time because you're, it's kind of like a 30-point message. If you're teaching wow, yeah. a 30-minute study on one chapter in Proverbs, more than likely you're spending about one minute on each Man, pro- proverb, and each proverb is different. But when you get to Proverbs 16, uh, there's this little cluster of six verses that all go together, you know? So they organize them together. They put them together. Uh, which is uncommon for for much of Proverbs. So I think I got excited about it. Yeah, totally. I need to write about these, you know, (laughs) because this is just a great little uh, section. 
So yeah, good leaders recognize the weight of their words. That comes from Proverbs 16.10. An oracle is on the mm-hmm. lips of a king. His mouth does not sin in judgment. And yeah, I've just noticed that. You know, I've just noticed that, you know, and they're not just describing any king. They're right. describing as you go through all these Proverbs, a good king. That's yeah. what a good king looks mm-hmm. like. And a good king, they... In in making their judgments, they don't speak their judgments with and mixed with sin. And a good leader, um, you know, it's like they understand that their words are like an oracle. You know, this is like, it's not that their word is the word of God, right. but it means that their word is authoritative. They understand mm-hmm. that. They understand that when they walk in a room and they have maybe a complaint or something that they see that's flawed, they understand that the people that are that they're they are leading are sensitive hmm. to the way that they're speaking or the way that they're talking. And so, you know, if, if a leader is not careful, then they're going to use their words. It's always going to be uh, innuendo or uh, you know these kind of backdoor suggestions. Mm-hmm or criticisms or sarcasm that's going to be the only way that they ever address anything the the only way that they ever confront anything rather than times where they need to say like that's wrong this is what i wanted i appreciate you yeah but this needs to be corrected you know understanding the weight of your words is really Mm -hmm. important you know and I think for for me, one of the things I've discovered, you know, over the years as a, as a leader is that, you know, as you're building your team, you know, for the most part, as, as you're building a good team and a healthy team of people, what you're going to have are people who they, they want to please you. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they're not in it, especially here in like the church environment. They're not in it ultimately for the pleasure of the earthly human leader right they're right. in it for the pleasure of god and of christ uh, but in a sense you know they'll they'll look to you and say you know i want to i want to do a good job i want to do something that you are oh, happy yeah. with that you are pleased with you know and so what i've realized is that i i have needed to grow as the years have gone by at being like this understanding that wow, yeah. you know i'm not really in a sense just one of the guys, you know, mm. what, when I say something, I have to understand that there is a weight that is attached to that. It's a responsibility that I have to use wisely and make sure that, you know, if I, if something happens, cause I mean, Hey, you work here at the church, oh, you know, yeah, the reality right. is there are times where you guys do something that I'm not happy about, <laughs> you yeah. know, and, or something is right. neglected or undone that, you know, when I first see it or hear about it or whatever, I it's I'm not just happy and in you know all right. just in the spirit, you know, <laughs> singing worship songs about it. You know, the yeah. reality is there's times where it's it, I, you know I'm I'm frustrated yeah, with something, right. but what what I've discovered is that I have to take a take a beat, take a step, hmm. take a moment, and just say, okay, what how how do I how am I going to lead through this? How am I going to lead through this? Hmm. I remember. You know, when I, when I was, uh, you know, first getting started, you know, in those first couple of years, you know, in, in leading and I can still fall prey to this now, but by God's grace, I've grown a lot in this area, but I would quite often in a meeting rather than saying like, for instance, just saying, I don't, I don't like this about Hmm. the website, 
why are we doing it that way? Is there a reason for it? Is there some kind of philosophy that I don't understand or mm -hmm. some kind of limitation that I don't understand? Uh, and can that be explained to me? And can we change that? Rather than communicating more straightforwardly like that, I would just go on these like kind of sarcastic, upset mm. diatribes about <laughs> the state of the website or something yeah, like yeah. that. And it was always right. vague and unclear. But what, the only thing that was clear was he's upset about that, you know, and thinks that, that something should improve, you know, yeah, and everybody yeah. kind of just feels awkward and mm. all of that. And I always felt felt horrible about that. I never felt like this was mm. good leadership. I, I'd always walk, walk away and say, oh, man, that's not who I want to be. And I wow, yeah. would always try to take the time to double back and apologize and say, look, that's not the kind of leader that I'm trying to be. I want to be a leader who just confronts these things head on. And I understand that we've got a lot of responsibility. There's a lot going on. Um, but can we talk about this? Yeah, you know, like totally. I, but so, the, but those first few years, I just, mm. there were just different moments where I realized this is really going to have to change in yeah. me if we're going to get anywhere, you know? So by God's grace, I've come a long way and am much better at that. But yeah, totally. you've got to recognize the weight of your words if you're a leader. That's really cool. There's, there's a weight to being clear and, and what you say to somebody for correction but also even like those times of apology too like that means something as well as law weight to that definitely too from the definitely leader. and I, I think a lot of leaders they just don't ever want to say anything yeah you know so they they see something that does need to be addressed and maybe will complain about it privately rather than actually wow. addressing it with the person that needs to be addressed so mm -hmm. it's it's important to use your words you have yeah, you, you have an them. opportunity you know it's like being yeah. a father i've experienced the mm -hmm. same thing you know it's like my words with my daughters they have a weight and a power and an authority and, and i could use that for evil or i could use mm. that for good right and by using it for good it, it blesses them it does good things in their lives so yeah the, that's the idea you know it's good recognize the weight of your words that's really good you also go on to talk about how good leaders are god's instruments mm -hmm. and i like to just say it this way what kind of song are people hearing if we are being used as god's instruments that's good. I like that. Should have written that down. That's good. Good leaders are God's instruments. Yeah, the way I said it, or, or what it comes from, is Proverbs 16, verse 11. Adjust, yeah. balance, and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work. Yeah. And so, and so what, what I mean by that is that in ancient times, like the Proverbs were written in, it would be the king that would establish the weights and measures in the mm. land. Uh, and so what the proverb is saying is it's the Lord who actually establishes the weights. Mm. So you put those things together and what you understand is that a good leader is an instrument for God to right. establish good weights and good measures or good, good laws or good rules or a good environment or yeah. culture in an organization. Mm. A leader is an instrument hopefully of God to establish, you know, uh, mm. just a, a good working environment, a, a good place to, to, uh, to be. So I think when a, when a leader understands that, you know, it helps them understand like God wants to use me in this place. Yeah. You know, right. God wants to use me to, to, uh, rather than maybe complain about the environment mm. or complain about some apathy that they see or 
complain about a lack of zeal uh, for a particular task or project mm. or something like that or complain about a lack of skills that certain workers have or different things like that rather than complaining about it or bemoaning it a good leader says i am god's instrument to to help fix that wow. so yeah, yeah. you know if people need skills then i need to help figure out how to get those skills into their lives or if there's a lack of passion then that means that somehow either they're they're just the wrong people mm -hmm. for this organization and task or they just haven't been able to see why we're doing this. Yeah, so I'm going to be right. preaching that message all the time. This is why we're doing this. this is why we're doing this. this is why we're doing this. And uh, if there's you know uh, a culture or a climate where you know you're, you're seeing people don't work hard here. There's a come in late, leave early. You know, kind of a thing mm. that's going on. Uh, I'm going to be the one not only to set the tone and be an example, but I'm going to help address that issue i'm going to be god's instrument to create a new culture and a new paradigm right. you know here in this place so you know understanding wow. like yeah i mean the reality is like a lot of people when it comes to uh their professional you know life and experience you know i realize like for a lot of us you know it kind of comes down to uh, who's going to pay the most, you know, kind mm -hmm. of thing, you know, we, we might say that that's the idea, you know, that like, well, this, you know, organization or this place, you know, same position or whatever, but they're going to pay me, you know, 10% more or something like that. But the reality is a lot of people, when it really comes down to what makes them satisfied yeah. in their workplace environment, it, it, it does have obviously something to do with payment. Right. But a big measure of satisfaction comes from the kind of environment that they get to work yeah, in. Right. And that environment, if a, if a leader thinks about it, they are greatly involved in creating and cultivating mm. that environment. Yeah. So seeing yourself as an instrument of God, I think, is important. You lead from there into this point about how good leaders serve as examples uh, for their charges. And uh, I've always heard this saying that you can't take someone somewhere where you haven't gone like first mm -hmm, for mm -hmm, yourself. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're totally getting into that kind of idea with this point, but it seems like you're kind of talking about like leading from experience and kind of leading people into these places and territories that you've kind of been into and serving people as you're going through that. Is that kind of what you're getting at yeah, here? Yeah, to a degree, I'm talking about that. But, you know, the truth is that leaders are called to lead people who are expert at things that they're not expert at you know wow. so there there are things for instance i'm a leader in your life as we're standing here in this room together recording this and you have skills and expertise that i don't have you know there are things that you can do uh, with photography for instance or with music for instance that are just not my skill set, you know, mm -hmm. and when you are asking me for advice in ministry, it usually is centering around Bible teaching and yeah, yeah. how to lead a group of people uh -huh. like you are in the young adult ministry. You're usually never, you're, I've never heard you ask like, <laughs> so how do you play the G chord? Is that even a thing? I'm not sure. You know, like you don't, that's not, you're yeah, not going to come true. to me for it's that, true. you know? Yeah. So the reality is good leaders are going to have to all the time lead people who are expert in areas that they that's are good. not even even experienced in 
what I was talking about here, it comes from Proverbs 16, verse 12, which says, It's an abomination to kings to do evil, for the throne is established by righteousness. Mm-hmm. And what I was really trying to point out was was more of the idea that, it, you know, in Israel, this was very true. In any nation, this is to a, a lesser degree than Israel because they're just a different kind of group of people. Right. But is still true in other nations. The 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 principal leader of a nation or of, of a group of people, their righteousness or morality or lack thereof, hmm. it does impact the people that they are leading. Not just, it, wow. it doesn't only impact them in the way of like, oh, he or she did a bad thing and now we're bumming about it. It's not just that. It's that their morality will actually influence the morality of wow. the people. Hmm. And, uh, you know, to borrow, you know, the Republicans used to like to talk about trickle-down economics. Yeah, right. Uh, but here we could talk about trickle-down morality. That's hmm. kind of the idea. That, uh, you know, it, the, the way that I live my life as a leader is going to be seen and is going to kind of set the tone for morality amongst the people that I'm leading. Yeah. You know, so if you're, you know, obviously the idea of the Bible is be consecrated, be godly, be holy, don't mess around, don't be ungodly, don't be foolish, you know, don't be unkind to people, be a just person. You know, so the idea is that as a leader lives that out and exemplifies that, they are helping just without saying, hey, you, be holy. Hey, you, stop doing that. Hey, you, join me in this endeavor. Without saying those things, it's just, here's the measure of this man or this woman's life, and it's going to impact the environment and the culture that they're in. You know, I'm not a big political guy, but... You know, the the reality is that people have made a fuss over the uh, morality of American presidents for right. a very long time. Yeah. And sometimes it's confusing to people. You know, it's like, wow, who cares? You know, we it's we're, I'm not asking for them to be the pastor of the nation or mm. the priest of the nation. I'm just asking them to be a good president, you know. Yeah. And I, I understand where someone's coming from when they make that kind of comment. But I think I I don't think it's that hard to look to look at various presidents and to say okay their morality it did kind of impact the morality of the nation at the time yeah. hmm. uh, they might it, it, it might just be the classic case that they were actually just living out the morality that the nation already had mm-hmm. and so I might it might be a cart before the horse you know kind of yeah, situation yeah. that we're talking about here. But scripturally, at least here for Israel, and I think amongst God's people, there is that concept that the righteousness, morality of the leader impacts everybody that's yeah. underneath them. Amen. I like that you kind of started to talk about the morality of a leader because towards the end of your article, you talked about how good leaders love the truth and parentheses wrote, and hate lies. And I love that you just you call out both of those, that good leaders don't only just love the truth, but they also hate lies. I think in theory, you know, I think we think that sounds amazing. That sounds like a great leader, Mm -hmm, somebody mm -hmm. who is about the truth, hates the lies, is open. Um, But it does seem like maybe practically that it can get kind of lost in like the shuffle. So 
when we talk about this for a leader, what does it practically mean for a leader to to hate or to love the truth and to hate lies? Mm. Yeah, that's a it's an interesting one. I think it's it seems like it's kind of an addendum or an mm. attachment to the previous one of being an abomination for kings to do right. evil because this one is righteous lips are the delight of a king and he, he loves him who speaks what is right. That's good. Uh, so, you know, in ancient Israel, uh, when they had a truth teller seated on the throne, then in general, the people loved the truth. Mm-hmm. And when they had a leader who appreciated hearing the truth, they more than more often than not also followed him in appreciating the truth. But when they had a king who rejected the prophets, uh, the people often also rejected the prophets. So, you know, I think that, you know, I mean, here we are, we're talking about believers, we're talking about the body of Christ, right. we're talking about, you know, we, we are not ancient Israel, but we're a new humanity, the body of Christ, the church. And man, inside of God's kingdom, you know, for us as believers, for us as leaders, for us as Christian leaders, to be absolutely zealous in our pursuit of the truth mm. and our our love for the truth, yeah. our appreciation of the truth. And I think in a sense, our unapologetic, unabashed, unashamed uh, gladness at what the truth tells us, yeah. you know, because it's really easy, you know, to in, in our modern climate and day and age, you know, the reality is like the stuff that we believe in the Bible is just it's becoming more and more just the exact opposite of whatever the culture thinks. So, you know, as that's happening, it's really tempting to share the truth in a really like apologetic way. Like, right? oh, oh, I'm, re- yeah. I'm really sorry that God said this, you know, kind of thing. Like, he's a, he's a toughie, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> Rather than, no, This is good. God is good. God Mm. gave us his only begotten son. So the stuff that he tells us in his word, this is for our best. He only gives the best to us, you know, and to be able to present the truth, you know, in that kind of way is, I think, really important. And then, you know, obviously, I mean, I'd rather have somebody in Christian leadership, if, if I'm given the choice between somebody who says, and, and kind of presents it almost apologetically, but mm-hmm. still says the truth versus <laughs> someone who then rejects the truth or ignores the truth or doesn't want to say the truth or or declares the truth is not actually the truth. Here's what I believe and what I think, and it's contrary to the clear teaching of God's word. I'd rather have the first guy. I'd rather yeah. have the embarrassed guy still stelling, selling the, uh, <laughs> not selling, or stelling, uh, <laughs> telling the truth. I'd rather have that yeah. than a guy who, or a man or a woman who rejects the truth, you yeah, know, in, in some kind of form of Christian leadership. But I think the best way is to not be apologetic, but to say, this is the beautiful truth yeah. of God's word. This is great. This is wonderful. It helps set a tone amongst God's people then to where then they also appreciate the truth. Yeah. Like, this is good. This is part so of the reason important. why. Uh, you know, although I will have articles from time to time where there's like no Bible verse and it's just, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of experience or something like that, you know, in life. For the most part, my thing that I like to do is I like to have a verse or a passage 
And then I like to write about that. I yeah. like to talk about that. I like to explain that because not only do I have a high view of God's word and want to uh, personally experience the blessings of having a high view of God's word, but I want to model a high view yeah. of God's word uh, for his people. So I like for people to be able to scroll through my blog, for instance, and see in all these different articles, oh, Bible verses, Bible verses, yeah. scripture, scripture, you know, like the, he is starting with the word of God and trying to understand it and then launch out from there to applying it into uh, his life and in and, and our lives. Yeah. You know, my father used to tell me, this is what you do with the Bible. You observe the text, you then interpret the text, and then you apply mm. the text, you know? And I think the more we model that, the more it creates, it can help create. If, if Christian leaders do that, it helps create an environment mm. where people have an appreciation for the Bible and a, yeah. and a love for uh, the Bible. But the more that uh, sermons become scriptureless and uh, you know become more pep talky or whatever, yeah. then people will grow in their appreciation of the person, an appreciation mm. of the giftedness or the winsomeness you know that they're hearing. But they're also going to need that, and they're going to live by mm. that. But but man does not live by bread alone or by winsomeness alone or by kitschiness alone. But yeah. man lives by the word of God. So we've That's we've good, got to have man. the scripture. So. Good leaders love the truth. You know, Amen, they, they, they the righteous lips are the delight of a king, mm. and he loves him who speaks what is right. It's so good, man. All these different things we're talking about, I feel like we can listen to them and we can receive them. They sound so good for somebody else. Like, we want to see leaders like that. <laughs> but if we start to apply it to our lives, I think we may feel like pretty challenged. You know, it's like this is some stuff that maybe some of us need to work on. We want to um, just be better leaders. So, Nate, do you have any kind of just closing words for somebody who's seeking really to be this kind of leader and just um, maybe is just kind of stumbling through a little bit? Is there any kind of word of encouragement to just kind of like the, like keep going in your leadership? Totally. I think one of the, a couple of the strongest things that are helpful in becoming, you know, the kind of leader that's described here in Proverbs 16 is one, to find a leader like that and just mm. kind of see them with flesh and blood. Uh, so that you can kind of see that example, not just yeah. in scripture, but in your own life, the way they treat people, the way they lead, the way they talk to people, you know, and then also is to uh, apologize, to listen to the people that are around you. How can I improve? How can I grow? And I mean, we live in this information age where you can surround yourself, you can flood yourself with so much information yeah. that is really helpful to catching a good vision for what a leader is like and what mm -hmm. a leader should be. So be a reader, be a listener, and you know, find some good resources that are speaking to you that you're able to understand and connect with and feast off that stuff to get better You know, as a leader. Just make that just a constant ambition and desire of your life and and uh you know un understand that as a leader in whatever form of leadership you're in you got to work on your craft yeah. you got to work mm -hmm. on your craft you know it's your experience is not enough uh your skill in whatever industry you're in is not enough just continue to work on your craft at becoming a good leader some of the greatest best leaders that i personally know that are in the you know, for lack of a better word, the secular uh, kind of environment and world 
they're just constantly voraciously learning and growing and listening and, and, and reading and talking about leadership, just trying to get better at it. Thanks for joining us today in this conversation. For more articles and resources from Pastor Nate, please go to nateholdridge.com and search the archives. All of his articles are there. And while you're online, please share an episode of this podcast with a friend. We would love to see this podcast get into as many hands and ears as possible. And as always, tune in next week for a brand new episode from this show. But until then, God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.